Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to talk to you about the first day of the week. In the Gospel according to Mark, Mark 16, verses 1 through 9, we find the following. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. On Sunday, the first day of the week, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. With this incredible display of divine power, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. Since then, the significance was attached to that day, which has been recognized and embraced by faithful children of God up to the present time and will continue to be recognized and embraced until the Lord returns. The Lord appeared to Mary Magdalene on the very day of his resurrection, John 20, verses 11 through 17. And on the evening of that first day of the week, he met with his disciples, Thomas being absent. That we read about in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 24. One week later, again, upon the first day of the week, Jesus appeared in the midst of his disciples and had the following exchange with Thomas. Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Fifty days after the Passover Sabbath, another first day of the week, the Jewish feast of Pentecost occurred. Thus the tremendous events recorded in the second chapter of the book of Acts took place upon the first day of the week. It was on the first day of the week that the apostles were baptizing or were baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to preach with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. That's Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. 
It was on that first day of the week that the good news of Jesus Christ as the Son of God was proclaimed, with Peter declaring, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. That same day saw 3,000 individuals being added to the church by the Lord as they obeyed the gospel. And it was the first time the church was spoken of as being in existence. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Hence, the church was born upon the first day of the week. After the church began and the apostles went about fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples and teaching them to observe all that the Lord had commanded them, we find Christians coming together upon the first day of the week to engage in various acts of worship. Indeed, some of those acts of worship were peculiar to the first day of the week and were performed on no other days. On the very night in which he was betrayed, our Lord instituted the memorial feast, the Lord's Supper, that would serve to commemorate his death until he returns. He used unleavened bread to represent his body and fruit of the vine to represent his blood. Faithful children of God do not change those elements in the observance of the Lord's Supper, but simply do as the Lord did. We look to the actions of the first century Christians under the guidance of the apostles to learn when this feast was observed. Luke, the author of the gospel that bears his name and the book of Acts, is a recognized historian who very carefully noted the times in which the events he was recording took place. He mentions years and officials, both Jewish and Gentile, helping us to understand when the biblical events took place in relation to the history of the world. He is exact and orderly in his writing, and nothing is presented without purpose. In Acts chapter 20, verses 6 through 7, we find, And we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. And on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to depart the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Luke specifies the day. As Luke described the many events recorded in Acts, how often does he specify the day of the week on which the event occurred? How many times does he specify that a thing occurred on the second day of the week, or the month? In view of the great importance of the first day of the week, when Luke is careful to specify that brethren observed the Lord's Supper on that day, we must conclude that their observing it on that particular day was a matter of significance. While there is little written in God's word concerning the time and frequency of the observance of the Lord's Supper, what is written reveals a great deal. Luke makes it clear that their foremost purpose for coming together on that day was to break bread, and it was to partake of the memorial feast. It was also at least probable that Paul tarried at Troas in order to be able to assemble with the saints there on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper. Another well-known reference to the first day of the week is found in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, where Paul gave the following instructions to the Corinthian brethren. He wrote, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of the week, let each of you put aside and save, as he may prosper, that no collection be made when I come. The two passages we are considering, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, 
provide strong evidence of a regular weekly assembly of the saints that took place upon the first day of the week. In his commentary of Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, Mike Willis noted the following, quote, Hence, from the very beginning, the Lord's Church has had a regular meeting on the first day of the week. That this was the Church's general practice is evident from the fact that the churches of Galatia, as well as the church at Corinth, were commanded to prepare the collection on this first day of the week. The command that the collection be taken upon the first day of the week cannot be harmonized with the interpretation that this refers to every member setting aside some money at his own home. If this was to be done in the privacy of one's own home, why was a special day mentioned for doing it? The only logical reason that can be given for specifying a particular day is that this was the regular day on which the congregation assembled for worship. Hence, Paul commanded that a collection be taken at that assembly. The evidence that is available to us makes it clear that the pattern established by the apostles and followed by the church from the beginning included a weekly assembly that took place upon the first day of the week for worship. Two vital parts of that time together were partaking of the Lord's Supper and the taking of a collection to finance the work of the church. Those who are determined to follow the Lord will adhere to that pattern. The relatively recent practice of substituting Saturday assemblies for gathering together on the first day of the week and offering the Lord's Supper, as well as taking a collection at that time, are completely without scriptural authority and are nothing more than traditions and practices created by man upon the first day of the week, a day of great significance in the history of the Lord's Church. Thank you for listening.